you know, with it, say for example with dairy, that would be a big thing that I would often ask people to come off because especially in, in our damp climate in Ireland, dairy um, is really bad for a lot of issues. It causes a lot of mucus, it can cause a lot of like pain in joints, it can stop people from sleeping. Um, but within cheese, there's actually a molecule called casomorphines. So they actually act in your body like morphine because cheese is addictive. Um, and science knows this, yet when someone says, oh, I, I you know, um, like I have a friend who says that cheese is her bad boyfriend who she can never give up, you know, and that's it, because people are addicted to it, you know. That's Siobhan Carroll, and this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Hello, what's good with you? How are you? Where are you? No need to answer that, either of those questions, uh, because I can't hear you. But uh, hopefully you can hear me. This is the Yoga Life podcast, and uh, it's about a podcast about yoga and life. So I thought, call it what it sounds like and what it's about. Today I have with me a yoga teacher, a naturopath, a herbalist, and a Harry Potter in, um, emphatic? No, fanatic, that's it. She's emphatic. She likes Harry Potter a lot. Um, so uh, we actually don't talk about Harry Potter in this at all, uh, probably because I know nothing about it, never read a Harry Potter, Harry Potter book, can't even say it. And um, yeah, I don't really get it. I don't get the whole Harry Potter thing. Um, so am I, am I missing out? Let me know. And maybe I'll get on that. Never seen any of the films either. And I'm English as well, so soz. Anyway, um, I have with me Siobhan Carroll, the nerdy naturopath. Siobhan is a teacher in the same studio I teach in the Elbe Room, and also she practices from there as well with all her herbs and stuff. Um, naturopathy is something I'm really interested in, even though I struggle to say the word, because um, I have experienced health issues myself that have been healed or cured by using plants. And uh, it blew my mind. I thought, wow, this is something that I never considered could help me. I always thought the doctor knew best. But um, nature is powerful. And that's why I wanted to get um, Siobhan on. And actually, tell a lie, she was recommended by someone. So shout out to Elisa, um, Elisa Luby, who's, uh, who recommended I get Siobhan on. And, oh, I've got a lovely little segue, actually. I'm doing a retreat with Elisa. Oh, seamless. In, um, I'm hosting a retreat with Elisa in September this year. So 2019, <laughs> I need to 17. Um, so if it's gone past September 2019, you listen to this, uh, I'm sure the retreat was amazing. But if it's before that date, um, then um, there's spaces available to book. It's gonna be in Wicklow on the 13th, 14th, 15th of September. And we're gonna have hot tubs, hiking, hammocks, and maybe some other things that start with H. Um, but loads of yoga, yin yoga, some yang yoga, courtesy of myself, and vegan food, all fully catered. Um, yeah, I've been to this retreat center myself about two years ago as a guest, so I've sussed it out. It's, it's really nice. And if as well as that, the other thing I want to talk about is, let you know about, is my workshop, which is in May, and workshop in May in the Yoga Hub, Heels Overhead, which is my rather creative name. I don't know if you can paint in a name, um, but please don't steal it, because it took me a while to think of it. And if you do steal it, I just won't be your friend anymore. Uh, yeah, so it's a hands-down workshop. Yeah, the last one sold out, which is in March. So hopefully we get a good attendance for May. The capacity is 25 people. If you want to book the retreat or the the workshop, you go to my website, kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash either events or retreats, or if you go to the main site, you'll be able to see everything there. Also, if you find value from this podcast, there is a way that you can show the love, and that is sharing it on your Instagram story. So just share it, usually by Spotify is the easiest way, then other people can just click and listen to it on Spotify straight away without having to pay anything. And you can also support directly via the kevinballyoga.ie forward slash support the yoga life podcast where I have a system set up where you can donate a one-off or monthly or weekly amount if you find that this podcast is helping you in your life, in your career, and that would be fantastic. And people who do decide to support via that method uh, have priority over tickets for events, retreats, and workshops. 
If you would like to support and via our sponsors, then let me tell you a little bit about them. The first one is Om Apparel. So if you're a fella, or you know a fella, and you who does yoga, or you do yoga, and you um, like to look well, then Om Apparel is the company for you. I met with them last year with their founder, Louis, in their offices in Shoreditch. And uh, I wear a lot of their clothing. In fact, they're sending me, I believe, their spring collection, which I'm, I'm like a... I'm like a, a kid at Christmas. Every time the post <laughs> the postman comes, I think it's my own delivery, but not yet. I'm sure it's on its way. Um, but yes, they, they provide um, very comfortable clothing for practicing yoga, movement in general, and it's all eco-friendly. So everything they do is taking the environment into account, even down to their packaging. It's very conscientious, very ethical in their approach. And if you'd like to wear some nice clobber for your practice and your daily life you can go onto their website om.com forward slash the yoga life podcast when you get when you choose your your garms your threads what you want then you put in kevin at checkout to get 15 percent off that's kevin k-e-v-i-n at checkout to get 15 percent off your order which is pretty good next i have 108 asana yoga sequencing cards by yoga Roo. Ruth is a lady again I always like to meet the people that I'm working with uh, met her was it early this year or was it last year I think it was early this year 2019 and uh, we had a cup of tea and uh, I looked at her lovely products she she's she designs these sequencing cards for your home practice so they have everything on them that you need they've got their alignment cues they have the level guides the anatomy coding and all the English to Sanskrit um, translations which is really handy something I really struggle with when I was doing my teacher training but you don't have to be a teacher to get these cards they're good for anyone who does yoga so that's you check them out by going to yogaroo.ie and if you put in the promo code again Kevin you get 10% off so that's Kevin for 10% discount off your sequencing cards that's all my business talk done. I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to get in touch with me, the best way is either through my website, you can sign up to the newsletter, or find me on Instagram, Kevin Ball Yoga. Enjoy. Hey, Siobhan. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me okay? I can indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, take two of our podcast because... Last time I messed up. Ah, sure. This is life, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah, th- I mean, there's a reason why m- most people don't have a podcast. Mm. Uh, um, I heard someone say the other day, another podcaster, oh, everyone's starting a podcast, but they're really not. <laughs> no, everyone has an Instagram account or a Facebook, a lot of people have Facebook, but very few people have a podcast because yeah. so much can go wrong. Um, so here we are. It's a big commitment as well. Like a lot of people have said to me, Siobhan, you should get a podcast, you know, and mm. um, I think maybe just because I love talking or something, I'm not really sure why, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's a big commitment and a lot of work, so fair play to you. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's. I love doing it, but just sometimes when little one little thing, one yeah. little button, button you didn't push um, and, uh, and then the, the stuff can't be used. But anyway... It's, it, it's all it's all good it's a good off the mat yoga practice <laughs> <laughs> exactly very good um so you're a naturopath aren't i you? am okay and i'm saying that correctly aren't i mm-hmm. naturopath yeah. yeah thank yeah. you some people say naturopath i'm, I'm fine with that too oh, really yeah the, okay. the, the problem is when people start calling me a, na- a naturalist and i think i spend a lot of time nude um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's a naturist is that someone just likes the outdoors i i'm not really sure i think there's and a naturalist is a naked person yeah and a, a naturist is someone who likes the outdoors Maybe, I think. Yeah. yeah okay i'm one of them too then <laughs> <laughs> um so what does a, a naturopath do so i kind of like to think of it as a general practitioner for wellness so kind of like a a gp but for holistic health you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. although unlike a gp we definitely um spend more time with our clients it's kind of the the big difference between what we do and and what um, GPs or or other doctors would do, um, and also the fact that I don't prescribe medications, I'm not trained to do that. Although naturopaths in the US um, are trained as um, that they can dispense pharmaceuticals and things as well. So, um, but it's just not part of my training. It's not something I really want to get into either. You know, um, so yeah, we work in lots of different ways so for me as a as a naturopath I'm also a herbalist and 
Um, I've studied plant-based nutrition and Ayurveda and these are the kind of things that I bring in in my kind of toolkit as a naturopath. And then other people who've trained in my college, let's say, may have studied acupuncture instead of herbal medicine. And so they'll use acupuncture as well as their um, other naturopathy skills. So what we'll do is we'll give out diet, lifestyle advice, you know, helps to tips to help sleep better or, you know, to mm. whatever it might be, you know, to get an overall balanced lifestyle, I suppose. So being a herbalist, this is uh, um, something that interests me. Um, I've mentioned this story before, but um, so quick story, quick background about the healing power of plants in my experience mm. um, is that when I, about f- four years ago, I had gut issues and I didn't know what was wrong. Went to the GP. He uh, started Googling my symptoms and wrote, <laughs> wrote down the words uh, colitis on a post-it note said you should go to the chemist and buy these steroids. They cost about 140 euro for six weeks supply. Nice. Uh, and I thought, okay, well look, I'm so desperate at the moment. I, I just, I'll do anything now. Mm. Um, and when it was someone in a, a white coat tells you, you feel like, okay, that's good enough for me. Mm. Went to the, 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 the chemist, bought the, the steroids. And then when I got on the Lewis to go to work, I started to read and Google the names the sim the, the the side effects mm. and there was endless amount of side effects and so few people get to even that point where they look at the side effects until they're experiencing them all you know mm-hmm. it's so well done <laughs> yeah and and i i thought and then on the on the lewis i was thinking uh or the lewis by the way is the train in ireland mm-hmm. or the tram should i say i was thinking you know this isn't me i'm not the kind of person i wouldn't even take an aspirin mm. i'm not the kind of person to do this so I thought, I'll give it a day, I'll sleep on it. And I got into work, sat down, the guy who was sitting opposite me, he said, uh, oh, you don't seem your normal self, you seem a bit down the dumps. And I, I told him my situation. And he said, oh, colitis, I had that. And I said, what, what happened? He said, well, they put me on these steroids. I was on them for a while and my body quickly got used to them. I had to up the dosage and then it just got to a stage where they had to surgically remove my colon. Well, <laughs> so so I, that that frightened me, yeah. and um, then I thought there's got, there has to be another way. So I tried to return the ster- the steroids to the chemist. They could said they couldn't even <laughs> they didn't open them because you know whatever they. Mm. But anyway, so I couldn't get my money back. So damn it! Um, and then I uh, I went started googling more about other alternative therapies. Went to the health food shop, and the girl in the health food shop told me about oil of oregano. Mm. And I remember the bottle was maybe eight euro, and I, I felt I was begrudgingly paid eight euro because I thought this is just a plant, and like, how is this going to help me compared to um, something that's been mm. made in a lab by experts? And um, within a week, I was hundred percent. My 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 digestion was spot on. Uh, my elimination was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, no, tear my perhaps, but um, and I thought that was the, the, an eye opener for me, mm. thinking this this can really work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you get a lot of people coming to you with gut issues? Yeah, gut issues is a a huge thing um, nowadays, especially. Um, but even if people aren't maybe coming in with any kind of digestion related problems, we kind of will go through a full. Um, case history of everything that's going on in all the different parts of your body and um, every consultation we talk about poo so <laughs> it's never TMI with me <laughs> or the naturopaths in general but um, everyone that I see has some sort of gut healing that needs to happen you know with um, the general diet that people eat today but even people eating a really good diet um, you know if they're not eating organic the pesticides and herbicides on the food often cause a lot of gut damage as well um, a lot of the times people coming in with mental health issues have a gut issues at the core of it. Serotonin, the, the vast majority of it is made, just like our happy hormone, it's made in our digestive system. Mm. So, so much of that is related to our digestive health and people don't realise that a lot. Um, and then when we're in our um, kind of Western medical system, we have at the moment everything so separated. So maybe someone has, has sleep issues, but actually it's because they're eating so late at night and it's keeping them up. Or maybe they are a fiery kind of person and they're eating too many spices, which stops them sleeping. Or mm-hmm. it could be there's so many different things. This is why we have like a in- long kind of two hour initial consultation, hour and a half to two hours. Um, because we really need to look into all these different things that are contributing to whatever 
someone's presenting with, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that um, the the gut is. I mean, it was it. Um, who was the philosopher? Socrates or Hippocrates, like, maybe. Or Hippocrates, mm. that was it. He said about you know if like let food be that medicine. Yeah, medicine yeah, food. that's him. And um, there's supposedly neurotransmitters mm. in your in your gut. So Absolutely. so yeah, what you eat massively affects your mm. your mental um, health. Um, what are your thoughts on CBD oil? CBD oil is an interesting one. Um, I just read a study this week that said that a lot of the benefits of the plant of the hemp plant or cannabis plant is um, from the THC, which is the kind of psychoactive component rather than the CBD. Hmm. Um, as a herbalist, generally the way I work is I work with whole plants. So, you know, for example, an example people are very familiar with now is say turmeric. You know, you can buy an extract of curcumin in the health food shops and that's kind of one of the very active components in turmeric. But for me, I'll always use the whole um, turmeric plant because there's so many more things within the plant that make it work mm. synergistically and make it work well in our, mm. in our bodies. Um, another example, you mentioned aspirin there. So salicylic acid is the basis of aspirin and it initially comes from plants. So it oh. came from either willow bark um, or meadowsweet. They're two different plants that we use. Um, and what's really interesting about aspirin is when you isolate out that salicylic acid, which is one plant, plant compound. So it is a plant-based medicine in, in some ways. Now it's um, kind of a, a chemically produced kind of copy of that but um wh when you take that salicylic acid separately it causes a lot of gut problems you know people um might get ulcers or things like that from from taking too much aspirin mm. but what's wonderful about taking the whole plant is they actually have um a lot of say tannins in the oak bark or uh, meadowsweet has um kind of antacid compounds that stop the acidity and things that happen from the salicylic acid so when you've got the whole plant working together it works much better mm. and that's my concern with cbd oil is that we're extracting the you know this one compound um or you know it's not necessarily one compound there's so, so many different types of cbds within the the different cannabidiols that come out of the um the plant in the different extracts so sometimes the sometimes people don't see the benefits from them. I think it's one of those things like, like with everything, things come in and out of fashion. Mm. Um, I know people who have had a lot of benefit with it, um, but I would wonder how much um, benefit they're getting compared to if we were able to have a, a whole plant extract, you know? Yeah. Um, not See, that's also the problem with um, smoking nowadays um, of weed or it's like the... THC is increased in the way they grow the plant so we can get more of a high off it yeah, yeah. and so people want to you know if people are buying it to get high they're buying they want a you know a good strain or something I'm, I'm yeah. not really sure how it works but um are you sure you know how it works <laughs> <laughs> well I did live in Oregon for a while where it grows so this is where my my research has come okay. from but um but yeah it's um I, I actually I just bought CBD oil last week did you um after much deliberation but I had an experience and I I had I did something. You see, the thing is, what I did is actually illegal, so I don't know <laughs> if I should talk about it. Um, I don't know. Can you, if you say something that you did was illegal on a podcast and it's listened to, can you get arrested in retrospect? <laughs> oh gosh, you know uh, we're treading under him. Yeah, him. yeah. This Murky is, Waters Mur now, aren't we? <laughs> Murky Waters. I tell you what, I won't tell that story um, <laughs> because I don't want to get arrested. Just, just in case. Um, but what I will say is my experience with. Um, THC has not been good. <laughs> um, See again, this is the problem. I think is because it's such a high amount of THC in the in the plant nowadays, mm -hmm. rather than um, than having it as a as a whole plant um, kind of extraction in the way that it should be with a balance of the two, yeah. as long as well as well as all the other kind of um, compounds. One thing I've tried recently is um, the there's a hemp shop in Capel Street in yeah, Dublin, yeah. and they sell really great um, juiced hemp. So it's kind of these green, you can get them, in the, they're in the freezer and they're like, like green kind of mm -hmm. like ice cubes um, of the hemp plant and it's um, juiced down. Mm -hmm. um, but the hemp plant has you know very low levels of THC in it and higher CBD. As far as I'm aware, I'm not really a huge expert in this, but this is mm -hmm. my understanding of it. And so it's more of a whole plant extract because mm -hmm. it's just a juice of the leaves, you know. Um, 
but you're still getting a really, really small amount of the THC, so maybe it works better within the body. So that's been really? an interesting thing what, that what, we've been trying. What product is that? What's, um, it? It's, What's it called again? It's hemp juice. It's frozen hemp juice. You just drink it? Um, yeah, so it's, it comes out in these ice cubes and just kind of let it, I kind of add some water to it and let it melt and then and it has a bit knock of it back. It has a bit of THC in Small it. Small amount, yeah. But I mean, I've had, I, I had them, <laughs> I was kind of experimenting with them and um, one evening we tried eight cubes of it, you know, and I, you know, we still didn't feel any high off it whatsoever, yeah. you know, so it's not, that's okay. kind of the max you would ever really take in a day, you know. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of fear out there, I think, and um, prejudice against anything that kind of um, is seen as a drug or, you know, yeah. that it might be um, bad in some way for us, you know, because of the psychoactive components. But there's also such incredible research out there on all these other psychoactive plants that people use in controlled circumstances and they're mm. very helpful. It's not something I do as a herbalist. It's not something I'm trained as, but yeah. um, my kind of go-to is um, whatever plants are the gentlest and easiest and safest to use they're yeah. the ones that are be are best to use with clients you know especially until like until cannabis becomes legalized in Ireland which it's only a matter of time mm. before it will because it's it's outrageous that you can go and buy a bottle of vodka anywhere and drink it but you can't buy a plant um it, it i mean i know that's a completely different topic mm. but uh, i um i just think that um there's this stuff called the Rick Simpson oil, and uh, my friend Kevin Doyle <laughs> may have bought it. <laughs> may have bought it once, and um, but the thing is, it's uh, it, THC doesn't suit everyone. Mm. I mean, some I I've smoked weed before loads of times, like when I was, especially when I was younger, and um, it just doesn't doesn't suit me. I think some people's chemistry in their body, like like the way some people are bad drunks. Mm. When I get drunk, I'm like happy as Larry mm. and chatting away. If I smoke weed, I am just a big dope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think, can't say anything. And, and just, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah, and that's why everything that herbalists and well, everything that holistic herbalists do, let's say everything that that I do as a naturopath and herbalist is individualized medicine. Mm. So you know, it's not just smoking weed it's everything that people eat you know for some people um maybe uh, bananas are really good for them to eat um but for other people maybe bananas cause a lot of mucus for them and, yes. and it's too damp for their damp constitution mm -hmm. it's with every plant and every um medicine that i would offer to people we look completely at their their constitution at like how hot or cold their bodies might be at so many different things to yeah. make sure it suits that one person at that time because maybe yeah. someone is taking um Let's say the example of Meadowsweet that we just said there, which is, you know, it's anti-rheumatic for like rheumatic pains and it's for the digestive system. And it's also has the salicylic acid, which is a mild kind of pain reliever in there. But maybe it's good for them one month and then the next month they're dealing with another issue and they don't need that anymore. You know, yes, so. Yeah, it's so individual, isn't it? Like you Absolutely. said, like like diet. But the reason why I got interested in, in, in the cannabis is because um, I have people in my life that I really love who suffer from depression mm. and um, like bad crippling depression mm -hmm. and I and these pe these these people that I really love um, would never they're not familiar with that world they, they, they don't know yeah. about marijuana cannabis mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it um, so I was actually making myself a guinea pig mm. because what from what I read what um, the research I did things like magic mushrooms or psilocybin mushrooms and cannabis can be used as therapy mm -hmm. to show the person that there is an, a different way to think about your life just for that moment and then not to stay on the, mm. the, the drugs but just to experience that high that um, expansive expansion of consciousness mm. and then hopefully they have a realization that they're not alone and there mm. is a lot more to, to live for so so like i said i was treating myself like a, like a, like a, a guinea pig absolutely yeah. yeah it's the um, same i do exactly the same with all the different plants i take and yeah try, yeah yeah but um and even with say um psilocybin mushrooms i mean you can you can get them in wicklow mm. if you what you can actually pick them mm. and eat them in wicklow but yet they would be illegal to sell it's, mm -hmm. it's crazy isn't it yeah um <laughs> it's it's just i guess it's just the, the times that we're living in at the moment there's mm. um you know i guess i don't want to go too much into um 
my conspiracy theories that I might have, but you know, there is a lot of. Um... I like conspiracy. <laughs> Who doesn't like a conspiracy theory? You know, there's a lot of control from the pharmaceutical industry, and yeah. um, there things like mushrooms that might grow in the grass in Wicklow and plants like that I would use in herbal medicine, like dandelions or you know, um, things that grow nettles on the side of the street. They can't be patented, you know, and and that's something exactly. that people aren't aren't happy with. And you know, then you look at places like Oregon where I, I used to work at, at a herbal medicine farm there and they had recently um, legalized marijuana for medicinal purposes and then and later for, for public consumption if you um, had the right cards or whatever. Um, but again, it goes into, you know, they start looking at, at ways they can standardize it so that they can have companies can patent certain things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, Siobhan, that to me, that's like... So, like you're saying it's conspiracy, mm. conspiracy. to me that's common, no, it's common sense absolutely no it is it's it's complete common sense but then the, I guess the conspiracy comes in is how far are they willing to go to um, kind of brainwash people into thinking you know that these things are bad you know you have like in America in the 60s you know Nixon had this war on drugs and um, you had this hippie movement where people were becoming more free loving and they're you know more like you said open consciousness and and Mm -hmm. things and people are see that that's you know anti-control and yeah you know so no um, i I think i think this is so important Mm. because we um we believe too much that the government have our best interest in heart at heart Uh, whereas uh, you could say um that the government are looking to control us Mm. and and let's say for example marijuana i mean there's there's photographs or video footage of, i think it, i think it's henry ford they have a, a car made out of hemp mm. and he's hitting the bonnet with a sledgehammer mm. and it won't break so hemp is like can be used for so many different Incredible. things but yet when you hear the word hemp because it's been demonized mm-hmm. by mainly the american government it's calling it marijuana it's, it's essentially giving it a negative negative connotation mm-hmm. to do with mexicans mm-hmm. and oh mexicans are smoking marijuana and assaulting uh, our women mm. this this and, and that has carried over to english irish culture mm. where we think that if you smoke weed you're lazy or you're a, 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 a um a loser mm. but the, the, the ultimate to me the reality is if you're a loser, for want of a better word, that's a horrible term, you're probably going to be a loser anyway. Mm. And you, if you're not addicted to marijuana, you'll be addicted to cheeseburgers mm. or, or whatever it is. Yeah, um, one of the acceptable forms of addiction, like <laughs> alcohol in Ireland, for example. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, but um, I, I, I'm like I'm not a fan of... Um, I mean, I don't take anything now. Like uh, my, there's the, the, the most exciting I get is herbal tea. You, <laughs> do I love it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but never never say never. I mean, I am definitely uh, in my lifetime going to do a psychedelic experience mm. again. I mean, I've done a lot when I was in my twenties, but um, but maybe something to do with like with my girlfriend mm. or a family member where we go away with the shaman um, and we. To I don't know, have a ceremony mm-hmm. that that type of thing really interests me. Yeah. Um, but again, again, that say ayahuasca for example, mm-hmm. I believe they do ceremonies in Ireland, but they're not legal, are they? Um, not as far as I'm aware, but um, there seems to. Be, it's not something that I've experienced or I've taken part in yet. I'm not saying I wouldn't. Um, but there seems to be a lot of nearly um ayahuasca tourism kind of stuff that goes on you know where you've got people paying a lot of money to come for an event because they want to have this experience or whatever it might be um because they might be traveling or maybe they i'm not sure i haven't looked into at all what what's done in ireland um yeah and um yeah it's just it's something you want to really honor like you say you know Mm. it's i'm not saying whether it's good or bad but it's something that deserves a lot of respect because these plants are really powerful because a lot of time mm. people think like oh you know because it's a plant-based medicine in some ways it's it's better than you know pharmaceuticals um, or it's not as dangerous there's less side effects but they still like plants are still um you know plants can kill you by eating them there's lots of poisonous plants out there yeah. too and, and there's plants that have side effects mm-hmm. um and so these are things that we all want that we want to be aware of. So they're all like they really need to be treated with respect. I think plants Definitely. do. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, it's funny. It's, everyone needs to go into it. Yeah, we, we've got these different extremes. You have people who are like, oh, I wouldn't touch any of that plant-based stuff because there's no science to back it and I'm going to stick with my pharmaceuticals. And then there's other people who are like, oh, plants are much safer and much better. So I'm going to only do plants and I'm not, I'm going to, you know, not worry about anything because they're, it's natural. Mm-hmm. But just because it's natural doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> it's good either. You know, <laughs> like um, you can, yeah, take plenty of, um, I'm sure yeah. poisonous berries off trees around Dublin that are, you know, exactly, exactly. natural that will kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's true, is it? yeah. Um, we're talking about addiction and, and food, um, like we mentioned earlier. Do you have, and I was chatting to my girlfriend about this during the week. Um, we actually got into an argument about it, kind of, kind of which is because um, it's, it's, food is such a personal thing. God, if you, yeah. and I, I'm pretty strict about what I eat mm. and I, um, yeah, because I know what it's like to be overweight, overwhelmed, and just uh, just eat not not actually actually not having the education to mm. know what was good right to eat for me, mm. just not knowing really. Yeah. So, um, but my my point was that I think a lot of people, a lot of us, are addicted to food, mm. some foods. And we don't, we don't realize it. We think it's almost like a joke. Like, mm. oh, I'm being a bit naughty. I'm going to have another donut. Mm. Like, okay, that is kind of funny and that's fine. But uh, where, like, when does it become a bit being a bit naughty? And when does it cross the line into an addiction? Uh, have you experienced um, people that come to you with, would you call it like food addictions mm. or eating disorders, that type of yeah. thing? Yeah, it's huge. It's a, it's a huge issue. And again, it's, it's like you say, it's kind of a jokey thing for some people, um, but it's very a very serious problem. Um, you know, the addiction to alcohol that we have in this country is, you know, another thing that's kind of swept under the rug. You know, if you ask someone to, you know, not drink for a month or something, they're like, oh, I could never, you know. Like, yeah. as, as soon as you think you couldn't quit something, that's an addiction, you know. It's the same with coffee. Um you know, if you ask a client, you know, that you need to quit coffee, the people who say, okay, that's no problem, you know, they can go back to drinking their coffee um, mm-hmm. every now and then or once a day or whatever it might be. But again, it's when that when you have that huge, strong reaction that I, could, I couldn't live without this, which a lot of people feel about their coffee or maybe their sugar or their cheese or their meat or whatever it might be, then that's when it can be labeled as an addiction, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. There's loads of amazing work being done. Um, if you look at the research on food addiction, it's huge. There's, um, you know, I've heard this one study where, um, I don't really agree with animal studies um, at all, but there's a study where which was done on rats where um, the rats were offered um, heroin and sugar and they have both of them and when given the opportunity they'll go towards the sugar mm. but it can be more addictive than that you know I don't know how that translates to humans that's why you know obviously the cruelty but also what happens in a rat is very different than what happens in a human mm-hmm. um, but it's just interesting to note I suppose definitely um, and you know with it say for example with dairy that would be a big thing that I would often ask people to come off because especially in, in our damp climate in Ireland dairy um, is really bad for a lot of issues it causes a lot of mucus it can cause a lot of like pain in joints it can stop people from sleeping um, but within cheese there's actually a molecule called casomorphines so they actually act in your body like morphine because cheese is addictive um, and science knows this yet when someone says oh I, I you know um, like I have a friend who says that cheese is her bad boyfriend who she can never give up, you know, and that's it because people are addicted to it, you know. Um, it's funny you say that because I used to know, well, I, I, someone I know who's a vegan and they said that there's a, a maybe that's the same chemical or compound or whatever mm. in, in cheese that keeps the calf going back to the mother mm. and is this what keeps us going back to the cheese mm. do you know anything about that um i'm not sure if it's the same thing but it, it makes sense it might be you the know? same thing it could be yeah. the same thing because like morphine's a... like soothing you and because yeah. cheese cheese if you ask anyone who's gone from vegetarian to vegan mm. they'll say the one thing they miss the most is cheese <gasps> me too i miss it so much i'm vegan as well i i love cheese i was out for dinner last night with my mom um and my boyfriend and um, my mom is a vegetarian and i grew up as a vegetarian because of her and I, I love her so much for that it was you know fabulous but she still eats cheese and it's the one thing she you know isn't ready to give and she had a lovely margarita pizza and we got an amazing vegan pizza with vegan cheese on it and it's lovely but I still at one point I picked up the cheap the, the pizza and just smelt and I was like mm. oh, I still miss it it's so, yeah. so good and then I remember why I stopped and how cruel it is to the cows or whatever it might be you know and then I'm like oh. um you but see the oil gathering mm, on the pizza but yeah. when you when you see the oil though you're like 
I mean, cashew cheese is great. Don't mm. get me wrong, but when you see that real cheese with mm. the oil and the, and the top, you're like, ooh, you, you know, it's yeah. it is. But yeah, as you said, but it's pure addiction. Like it's, it's pure addiction. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, because when I think anyone logically, when they see what happens to maybe if they're getting their milk from their cow that lives in their garden, they treat it really well might be different um but anyone who sees how you know we acquire these dairy products from the poor animals it's you know most people would be like oh that's not nice mm-hmm. um so so you are a strict vegan now mm, no I am. yeah and how long have you been vegan for um i first went vegan about 10 years ago and then mm. i went back to being vegetarian for a bit um because i was traveling with work a lot and it was difficult um and then I went back to being vegan, so kind of on and off, but full time for at least the last three years or more. I'm not sure. Do you see any downsides to being a vegan? There can be for me. No, um, I think it's great, <laughs> but for for some people it can be challenging. You know, maybe it it's too much of a step for someone to take, mm. um, because of their health. At, at some point, I do know people who have been vegan and went back to eating meat because they felt they were not nourished or, or something like that. So I know that there are people like that and I have nothing against that. Um, people need to be able to listen to their bodies and, and know what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, yet at the same time, I I think that no matter what someone's dealing with, we can work with them on a vegan diet, you know. Um, a lot of what I do is mm-hmm. um, I see vegan clients who kind of want to improve their nutrition and there's a lot of ways we can look at getting the, the things they might be lacking from their um their carnivore diet they might have had before and how we can bring that into a vegan diet mm-hmm. um and then there's it's the funny thing about nutrition really there's so much research on both sides of the camp and not even that there's just two sides on every single side of the camp um because there's so much research out there saying that a plant-based diet can reverse diabetes like type 2, type 2 diabetes heart disease all these major number one killers that we have nowadays these lifestyle diseases um but it's not just a vegan diet. It's a whole food plant-based diet. And what I see a lot of nowadays, um, and which you know I get caught up in too, is this vegan junk food that's being created. Mm. Because vegan is now a, um, it's a which I think is wonderful. It's a marketing thing because it's becoming more popular. So the food companies try and with their food scientists make things more addictive and find that sweet spot, sweet spot that they, um, that they like to to hit for mm-hmm. us so we can keep coming back for more because mm-hmm. it becomes addictive mm-hmm. um, like Pringles once you pop you just can't stop mm-hmm. like they put it on the label um, <laughs> <laughs> you know um, but so a lot of the time I'll have vegans coming into me who are eating a lot of vegan junk food and they really are eating a very bad diet but that's the same across the board whether you're vegan or not mm-hmm. so um, there is the potential for any diet to become a healthy diet I think you know it is bizarre though that when they have you go into some vegan places and they'll say are our ribs i'm like your ribs what are the ribs oh they're made of tofu just (laughs) just call it just call it marinated tofu i know what you mean but at the same time so i i ate meat a little bit when i was a kid and my mom never ate meat and i stopped eating meat because i really did not like the taste of meat i thought it was disgusting they thought the idea of it was disgusting i just didn't want to have anything to do with it so that's me i find those kind of things like burgery ribby I find them really disgusting and I won't touch them but there are a lot of people who really like meat they love the taste of it they love eating it but they find it's cruel and they want to transition to a vegan diet Mm -hmm. so for them being able to feel like they're getting ribs but knowing it doesn't have the the same you know animal murder behind the background of it Mm -hmm. they can go in and enjoy their ribs you know Mm -hmm. um I worked with a company last year um on a project um, who create these Moodley Manor they're an Irish company they create these wonderful kind of burgers and um, chicken and different related things they have a restaurant open now and it, it really feels like you know going out for like bold kind of mm-hmm. you know junk food you know I really mm-hmm. get that that feeling and so it's it's mm-hmm. about being it for people who want to maybe for ethical reasons transition to a vegan diet they can do that and they can still go out and have their treats um, so I, I have nothing against it I think it's it's good but it is something that a lot of people will say is like why don't you just call it tofu well you know some people still want to eat ribs but mm. they just don't want to contribute to the the system yeah yeah it's that thing of spoiling yourself a little bit mm. and, do, and when, yeah when you go out um just talk about going back to supplementation mm. so i assume you're referring to things like b12 mm. yeah so um b12 is something that we have to supplement as vegans yeah, yeah. um B12 is also something a lot of meat eaters should supplement with because we, it's very low in our diet in general. Why? 
Um, the way our soil is, is one of the things, when you're eating meat is the, the animals synthesize the B12 in their bodies and we can get it from them through that. Um, but a lot of the nutrients within our soil are depleted now. Um, we don't eat the same, even if we're, we're buying like organic spinach, it's maybe not the same as organic spinach you could have got, you know, which was just called spinach because there was no alternative, say, 100 years ago, you know, um, because the soil, the soil compounds are different because things are mass produced and, and maybe shipped for a long period of time and things like that. So it's not just necessarily, say, B12. You know, B12 is, is something that we do take and we take it as a, a synthesized form usually. Um, but vitamin D in Ireland, say, is a huge one, you know, because of the lack of sunshine, but also... Um, to do with how how we can you know some people don't um synthesize it within their bodies properly um so it, it depends with b12 say you know some people you need to have a thing called intrinsic factor to um to convert your b12 and to utilize it i suppose but some people don't produce that intrinsic factor so they can't take it they'll have to take it in drops or in an, in an injection mm -hmm. instead of through a supplement form mm -hmm. um that goes through the stomach so it's it's so different for everybody you know we really need to, that's why medicine in general needs to be so much more specific mm -hmm. rather than this one size fits all that we've kind of gotten into mm -hmm. um so it might be b12 um or something like vitamin d but it might be something you know like some people might be iron some people might have too much iron um a lot of people iodine is a big issue you know if people are eating too many soy products the um the soy can kind of leach iodine out of our systems so we need to supplement with more iodine which a lot of the time I wouldn't use so many supplements in f the form of bottles. I would balance the diet. So I'd maybe get them to eat more seaweed, yeah. which is like, I just love seaweed so much. Oh, I'm man. so obsessed with it. And it's like, we live on this island that's surrounded by seaweed and it's good quality seaweed. Like if you can get it from the Atlantic compared to the stuff that like I, when I worked in Oregon, we would go and get seaweed off the coast, um, the northern coast of California. And you have to be really careful because they've got that drift from Fukushima. Ooh. so exactly so you know our, our waters are becoming so polluted nowadays but we're really lucky with what we've got here in ireland i think it's our biggest untapped resource is seaweed like we just yeah. everyone needs to eat seaweed and it makes you feel like a mermaid too so yeah. that's the bonus <laughs> well there's these little pots of a seaweed that you can buy and they're about a thousand euro per pot no, they're, yeah, yeah. They're this six, is seaweed is that the, the brand i think they're yeah i, I know I, the guy who I runs don't, it I, I don't yeah maybe but it's like um they're delicious yeah, so and they've yummy. got sesame seeds on top mm. is that what they're called yeah, this yeah. seaweed no i think it's something different i'm thinking of flakes okay you put on food uh, oh right <laughs> <laughs> no, <never mind. laughs> I, no the, this is like kind of m like moist wet uh seaweed that okay. you get in a little pot yeah and it is unreal but it's very expensive yeah but but supposedly the reason why we're an, we're an island, mm. but yet we don't eat a lot of fish. We eat a lot of land mammals or land animals is because um, it was considered that if you you had land, then mm. you could have animals on the land, but peasants would eat fish. Mm. Whereas if you went to someone's house and they served you pig or cow, it was like a big compliment because they aff could afford to keep mm. those animals. Whereas, Like I said, whereas fish and uh seed products are considered like anyone can take them and and it or, or um harvest them so it's um it, you're right it is a massively untapped resource totally. uh, um like uh seaweed mm. see yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hardly any seaweed at all i actually think that um supplements in general i i reckon i was walking past this place in smithfield and it's like uh protein shop oh, and protein bars and casein uh, or casein yeah, yeah. Case, the... uh, and all this stuff that reminded me of when I was a personal trainer oh. and um, I, I thought to myself I wonder if in 30 years people are going to look back at that and go can't believe people are so gullible buying protein shakes and, and thinking like that actually is good is good for you unless I'm wrong yeah, protein is, oh gosh. Um, there's a really great book called Proteinaholic, um, which people should <laughs> check out. Um, but protein, it's one of those things um, that's been fed to us um, oh, by... Nice pun. Yeah, oh, there you go. I didn't even realise I was making it. <laughs> yes. um, that's, yeah, it's been fed to us by, by corporations and by the media and by different lobby groups and things like that. We don't need that much protein. Mm. I swear to God, if anyone asks me again where do you get your protein i just it drives me crazy i get protein in 
avocados have two grams of protein for every 100 grams. Mm. That's still protein, even though it's not a protein-rich food. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's protein in broccoli. There's protein mm-hmm. in so many things. Um, protein in broccoli is a funny one because people often say there's more protein in broccoli than steak, but it's per 100 grams, you know, but oh. you're never going to eat the heaviness of a steak. I suppose you probably wouldn't eat that much broccoli yeah, in yeah. one sitting. <laughs> so you don't necessarily get the same amount of protein. But when we're looking at like, I suppose you as a personal trainer you might be more even familiar with this than me, but when we're looking at kind of macros and this and that with uh, within nutrition, you're looking at more of a balance rather mm. than a specific amount mm. that you want to reach of grams per day. Mm. It's, a, you know, if you're eating, you know, 10 grams of protein, but you're eating so much sugary junk food, that's, you know, going to be different than if you're only eating 10 grams of protein mm. and then the rest of the day you're living on water. Yeah. Do you know, it's a, it's all about the balance between our nutrients. Yeah. So um, I just find the protein one very funny, but really we don't need as much protein as we think we need. Mm-hmm. Protein is very important, mm-hmm. um, but we don't need to live on like a diet full of loads of protein all the time and take extra protein shakes. Mm, yeah. Oh. yeah, this thing of if it fits your macros, um, what about your micros you know uh, what about your vitamins your minerals mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. like like when i worked in personal training for about five minutes until <laughs> 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 i realized i was like just, just completely didn't fit in like you know the, the skinny guy um eating his tofu but um <laughs> but uh, they uh w- w- they'd be talking about the other lads the trainers about how many grams of protein they've had that day oh it's been two hours since i ate last i gotta eat again <laughs> i'm like this is no way to live yeah. this is not a, this is not a life mm. what what do you do what's your objective what's your intention mm. you are you um like one of the one of the guys he was um he was a not a poser he was a bodybuilder mm. so what happens is they essentially are preparing for a show. Mm. If you were to look at him day to day, he looks like a normal fella. Mm. But then he has, he'll have this one picture on Facebook of him shredded, where you can <laughs> see like every vein. Uh, he's painted his skin brown um, and uh, he's flexing. And I think, so you've done all of that. I'm probably going to get a bit of hate for this from people who are personal, tra- who are trainers, who are bodybuilders, mm. but uh, whatever. Um, you've done all of that just to get a photograph of you with your veins popping out mm. and with paper skin, um, uh, paper thin skin, like what? What? So I just think that that mentality of treating food like um, fuel, like yeah. coal you're putting in, mm. and just for I think that's I actually think that is um, an eating disorder yeah. in my opinion. Um, you're not finding balance, as you mm. said. This is it. Like I mean, there's there's two sides of it. If that's something that people want to do. <laughs> then good for them they can they can do that but as long as they're kind of um able to approach it in a healthy way that they know they're going to do this really intense thing for a short period of time um and then go back to eating a healthy balanced diet you know Mm -hmm. if you know some people maybe want to push their bodies to the extreme and climb a mountain it's not really good for your body it's going to put you under a lot of stress let's say but it's not necessarily bad stress for your body you just need to know that you need to recover afterwards Mm -hmm. so i think there i think it can be possibly done in a healthy way Mm. um but you know it's also like the opposite side of it where you might eat healthy most of the time and you go on holidays and you eat nothing but junk food and drink loads and it's a week of holiday because you're Mm. going on a mad one i don't know people do that and then come back and have a really healthy diet and overall Mm. they're very healthy people um so it varies i guess i think if it's there's that level of obsession with food all year round where every everything is being measured all the time, it can be a common and healthy thing. Um, but again, it's a lot of the time it's how we're reacting within our minds rather than actually the food that we're taking in. You know, like for some people, they could go out and have, you know, a really unhealthy meal and then go back to eating their healthy food the next day and they wouldn't even think about it because it was just one meal. And other people might spend, you know a week or more beating themselves up about it and running around i can't believe i ate that why did i eat that donut why did i eat that thing you know and that that the unhealthy um stress response within our body is going to increase our cortisol response Mm. and cortisol is you know caustic to so much of our bodies it's um potentially going to the guilt over eating something unhealthy 
can potentially be as bad as eating the thing and just getting on with it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's there's it's, so much more to all of this than we even understand. Yeah, it's true. So. You, you could look at someone who's eating um, a donut a week, uh, but they but if they're feeling good about it, like ah, sod it, I'm having a donut. Why not? But that's that's their their um, their health and mm. mental health is going to be so much better than someone who eats that donut and for the rest of the week they're berating themselves. So yeah. you're right. It doesn't tell you as that much. It, um, it's it's the intention it's, it's also it's the same with alcohol mm-hmm. it's like why are you drinking are you mm-hmm. drinking to have fun or are you drinking to forget to numb something mm-hmm. with with any anything we uh, ingest and um, also as well even if you say with when you mentioned alcohol i thought of this like a friend of mine when i first was training to be a naturopath sent me uh sent me an article about how you know we never need to detox because our livers detox and that's their job i was like yeah, obviously the liver is amazing it it regenerates and it detoxes and it it sorts our body out for us but if our liver is blocked and clogged in some way and it's not processing things in the most efficient way that it could be you know there's different phases of the liver detoxification you know path one and path two um so if you've got if you're eating things like that are nourishing your phase two pathway and you're not eating things that are nourishing the phase one pathway then our livers mightn't be working properly so maybe for one two people who have the same even attitude towards eating the donut one person could, could eat it and feel really really bad and one person could eat it and feel fine physio- physiologically not even mentally mm. so there's there's so much going in within our bodies that can change how we react to things you know so yeah it's, it's very interesting i find yeah, it fascinating it's actually funny you mentioned the word detox because um i recently seen a yoga class in uh advertised as yoga detox mm. uh, <laughs> and i think that's such a bastardization of yeah. yoga i mean i i when i as a yoga practitioner yoga teacher I am conscious of how, for want of a better word, authentic my yoga mm. is. How true to the roots is it? And um, do I constantly re-examine my practice and the message I'm trying to share? So I'm not, I'm not judging. But when when you see things like you know yoga for six pack and all this type of stuff, yeah. and the thing is, Javon, actually, <laughs> I, you know, I gotta say, I gotta say this, right? I just thought of this the other day. I did a video about two years ago when I first started teaching, right? Mm on YouTube, it's got 200,000 views, this video, right? But, which would be nice, Mm. but it's a video that I'm like, not ashamed of, but I'm very embarrassed about. Right. It was a a beer yoga video. Mm. So it's me teaching these stand-up comedians (laughs) beer yoga, you know? And it's actually quite a funny video because um, one of the people in the video got very drunk and fell over. But, but, But at that time, I just started. I just done my two hundred hour, and I no one would hire me because I just couldn't just couldn't get a job. Sure. You know, um, I thought, well, I just I need to make money because I've been, you know, I got made redundant from my office, <laughs> my office job. But my point is that like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying um, you know he he cast the first stone. Yeah. Whatever, but or um, is um, that that's the right saying? Or people in glass houses. Anyway, so I have I have bastardized yoga before. Mm. Um, and uh, which I'm not proud of, but um, so it, so I'm just I'm just saying. But the, yeah, yeah. but as, as you said, this whole thing of using words like detox, yeah. it gets people think it, it's mis misinformation, isn't it? This is it. I mean, I wouldn't feel so bad about it with with your beer yoga. I I think I'm kind of of the opinion that anything that gets people into yoga, whether it's maybe a beer yoga class or um, I teach a, a kind of yoga that I call wizard yoga, which <laughs> could potentially by some seen as how is this really yoga? But it's, you know, it's about getting kids involved in yoga by going on a magical journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do it with adults too. They tap into their inner child and feel like they're wizards and witches mm-hmm. casting spells. And it's a lot of fun, you know, when we use wands and it's great. But, um, mm. you know, even something like beer yoga, if it's going to get someone who would never do yoga to try yoga um, then maybe they'll bring it into their life in a, a healthier way you know if a beer yoga class isn't going to be something you go to mm. you know every kind of Monday and Wednesday and Friday because that would be really bad yeah. but um, <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a one-off event you know it's and it's going to get more people interested in yoga then I mean why not and I mean yoga detox I think the problem is the angle people are coming at it from if they're selling yoga detox just so they can get more people to their studio or to, to book out a course or, you know, um, then maybe it's not the right, like, are they really trained to do that, you know, to, to deep. But when I, got, I did my initial yoga training in India and the 
place that I was training and we did a lot of work with Kriyas and, you know, you drinking all this water and then throwing it up again as a way of like cleansing the system. They're very much into this, like, as you might call it, yoga detox, only hmm. they call it Kriyas and cleansing and, yeah. you know, um, they would eat this cloth and put it all the way down into their stomach and then pull the cloth back out. I mean, that's not something I would be interested in doing. I think it's a bit extreme and it's not necessarily something we need in our modern culture. Maybe it was good back then when there was a lot of, um, you know, parasites or something in their mm-hmm. foods or whatever it might be. But um, like d- detox was a big, big part of, of yoga and a mm. lot of the, um, especially when it comes into Kriyas and these kind of like, um, like Kapalbhati breathing or anything like this, like it's very much to like to detox the lungs or whatever it might be mm. or to detox the sinuses or um, like I do u- use yoga a lot within my naturopathy practice um, because I am also a yoga teacher and m- not all naturopaths are. So this is probably more unique to, to my practice. But, um, you know, like I will give people different yoga poses that they can do you know a a small routine they can do before bed or something like that and um maybe if someone's dealing with digestive issues we would put in like a lot of twists that they would do in the morning so that it would help to um make them a bit more regular because twists are actually help with kind of detox and elimination by moving the body in that particular way so it can be done again what I do is I work individually with people and I make sure that and I'm also trained as a naturopath so I can I can do that I have that kind Mm. of crossover um when you have anyone coming into a generalized detox program, it can be a bit risky because you're different people need different detoxes, you know, mm-hmm. like some people, their skin is blocked, so they need things that are going to help them sweat and mm-hmm. other people need um, something to help some sort of like laxative herbs that are going to help them to poop. Um, and, you know, but maybe it's going to be that they need um, a bulking laxative, like we talk about like with flax seeds or something because that'll help move things along but maybe it's that they actually need a stimulant because they've got weaker bowels and they don't have the muscle tension so there's just so many different mm. permutations for each person so mm. yeah yeah i suppose as you said it's um it's not a one-size-fits-all mm. and sometimes to whatever gets you into um that way of thinking to looking after yourself so it could be you go to yoga class for a detox because because it's january whatever and then you like yoga and you carry on doing mm. it next thing you know you're starting to be a naturopath or you're, this is it. you're, you're so I mean, yeah. when i began yoga i i did um yoga when i was in sixth year for like stress and then um i find it very helpful for that but then when i really got into yoga that i was like doing everyday practicing i, I started doing bikram yoga and I, I went to it because i heard it can help you lose weight and detox and you sweat loads and i was like cool because that's my kind of personality I'm, and especially back then you know I was studying politics and I was going to like rule the world and it was going to be wonderful um and so I got into yoga because I I thought it was going to help me you know because it's that kind of intense <laughs> kind of Bikram yoga and I really do still like that kind of yoga um but it led me down this journey where then I went to India and I learned so much more about this practice that's so much more than just mo- moving the physical body and, and sweating and mm. um so it's whatever, whatever gets people onto the mat and into our class, I suppose, you know, it's yeah. whatever gets them, not even into our class, whatever gets them doing um, yoga online or it just learning more about it, sitting to meditate a little bit, whatever it might be, you know. Or listen to this podcast, Siobhan. Absolutely. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, nice, Siobhan. So, uh, Siobhan, uh, if people want to know more about you, where would they go? Well, um, so my business that I run is called The Nerdy Naturopath um, because... I'm a bit of a nerd. I love Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and things like that and dress up. And anyway, um, so that's my business name. It's the Nerdy Naturopath. And I um, have a website, which is nerdynaturopath.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram a lot, uh, Facebook too, but more Instagram. So probably that's the best place. Um, and then I teach yoga in Dublin. Um, and uh, then I do my naturopathy consultations in the elbow room. Um in the clinic there so they can get in touch with me and yeah. come to my class or um come in for an appointment or just follow my social media for fun recipes and nerdy things i suppose <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great well thanks so much thank you thanks for having me there you go that's all we've got time for folks uh, well just a couple of things before i let you go firstly if you're getting value from this podcast if it find that it's really helping you then please share it on your instagram stories tag a friend who you think may also enjoy it and get some value if you want to support directly you can go to kevinboyoga.ie forward slash support the yoga life podcast 
anyone who supports will get priority tickets for any events that I have. That includes retreats, workshops, and you can find more details uh, of those events and when they are on my site. If you would like to support via our kind sponsor, Om Apparel, then go to om.com forward slash The Yoga Life Podcast, where they'll give you 15% off any of their apparel when you use the promo code Kevin. So Om is a company that I use myself. I wear the clothing. I know the guy that owns it. I know some of the people there. And they provide clothing that is sustainable, recycled fabrics, recycled paper packaging, and it really focuses on men's health. So there's uh, they're doing a good thing. So if you'd like to be part of that and look good at the same time and look after the environment, check out Om. And if you're listening before April 7th, last thing, if you listen before April 7th, 2019, then you still have time to come to the Yoga Life podcast live, my first ever live event uh, being hosted at the Yoga Hub in Camden Court. And that's going to be on a Sunday evening with special guest Adam Husler. It's going to be a very small, intimate crowd. It's a very small audience where you'll have the chance to ask questions and actually be part of the podcast. So go to my site again, kevinboyyoga.ie forward slash events to see that and to RSVP. Thanks as always. Have a good week. Catch up with you next week.